Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome back to the Run Dot Down post game show here on the Strickland YouTube channel. If you're listening to this today after the Strickland Podcast Network, I am Sam. I am joined by Colin once again. Um, Knicks win in probably their best win all year. Um, 108 to 97 versus a dominant 76ers team that has been basically steamrolling the competition, winning eight straight on the road, heading into tonight's game versus the Knicks. The Knicks come back from 21 down in the first quarter and beat the 76ers. Um, a day after they almost complete another comeback versus the Clippers, and it falls short in overtime. I mean, this team continues to baffle my mind. Um, I just, it's its just so insane, the highs and the lows of this team, how much they can fluctuate and differentiate from each other. But, um, you know, the Knicks, they got the job done tonight. Um, and yeah, tons to get into. I mean... We had the bench. I think we should we could start there. The bench. They started things off really well. They were the main reason why we came back into the game. But Evan Fournier gave us some great minutes. Deuce McBride gave us some great minutes. And Isaiah Hartenstein gave us some great minutes. Um Fournier with a season high of 17, I believe. Yes, sir. 17 off the bench with five threes. Deuce giving you 14 off the bench. I mean, Crazy. what more can you ask from with three threes? Um, and Hartenstein giving you 14 boards off the bench. And I was actually upset that he fouled out tonight for the first time in like his whole Knicks career. I was upset that he got fouled out um, because he was just doing that great of a job defensively and on the boards. Um, but yeah, I mean, how'd you feel about this game, Colin? Fucking sick. Fuck the 76ers, bro. I hate James Harden, man. <laughs> Joel and B may be a future Nick, you know, but James Harden can suck it for now. I was ready to. DeAnthony Melton showed up ready to fucking ball, too. I thought he was going to have one of those 30.7 steals games for a second. I was scared, man. But, yeah, went down early, just rallied, and and the bench just continuing to provide some fluidity, you know, in those minutes where we don't have Jalen, which, you know, Jalen played a bunch with the bench tonight. But when we don't have Jalen or Julius on the floor – and Miles McBride, not enough can be said. I just looked. This is the second highest plus minus that he's ever had. He had plus 37 against the Pistons in December of last year. Not last year, but last season. Mm. And uh, he was a plus 34 off the bench tonight. Absolutely crazy. 14 points. He hit three threes. Got to the line for six free throws. Made five of them. Uh, he is really carving out a role for himself. And I did not see that coming, <laughs> not even a little bit. But between him, Obi had some nice minutes. I thought that Tibbs made the right decision when he did bench him because there was a timeout in the fourth, and it was like, okay, now he's going to go back to Julius. He brought Obi back in and then uh, eventually subbed him out for Julius. I thought the timing was just right on that. Uh, Obi provided a little bit of juice as he does. His stroke is looking buttery like crazy. Even on his misses, you think they're going in nowadays, which is nice. Cause I'm so used to him hitting the side of the fucking backboard and shit. So it was nice, man. Good team win. Uh, quickly didn't play as much, but I think, you know, and we can talk about it. They really kind of put him on an Island on offense where he wasn't touching the ball at all. And 
you know, unfortunately he does kind of need the ball on offense to impact the game a little bit, but still did his thing on the defensive end and a great game for Hartenstein. I mean, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of revivals happening in the, in the back half of the season here with uh, Hartenstein putting it together, Miles McBride finding his footing. Uh, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, Miles McBride is someone that most of the fan base was calling for him to get benched. Um, and, you know, everyone was just enamored with all the trade um, talks that were happening because it was like, oh, all right, finally, we're going to get some bench help. But now, like, Deuce has, like, started to, like you said, carve out a nice role for himself. He's been able to consistently, like, shoot the ball pretty well. He's been consistently aggressive. And he's been making, like, quick decisions. He hasn't been really hesitating on offense when it comes to taking shots. And that's all we really wanted from him. Um, and, you know, he provided that. He was able to, you know just be the bench spark that we need um and you know like you said with iq i with iq tonight too it was weird because like dibs didn't really play him with that second unit all that much which i think would have helped him be able to find some offensive footing um instead he went with jalen brunson with the second unit which again i don't have any problems with um but again, if they were trying to get quickly, I guess like going a little bit more, he could they could have easily um gave him some of those minutes with the second unit. But again, we got the win, so I'm not gonna really complain about things too much tonight. Um, we will focus on more of the positives. Um, it was funny how the how this game started though. Um well not funny actually. Well, the way ESPN had their schedule. It wasn't talking about the flag football. Yeah. Not even just that, but like everything leading up to the game starting. So like first we have the Pro Bowl flag football going on. Everyone doesn't know what the hell's going on with like where's the game gonna be like broadcasted. Then out of nowhere we get like this notification that RJ is like suddenly sick and he's out. And like now everyone's speculating that he, he was in a trade. Um, they said him and Evan Fournier weren't on the bench and everyone's like, all right, so I guess they're both gone. Um, everyone just like started preparing for like the, the next notification to be from like Shams or Begley or something. I blame Bondi. He's like <laughs> stirring the pot with that shit. He's like, yeah, Evan Fournier is not here. So then I text my buddy Craig who's at the game and he's like, no, nah, I thought I just saw him. And then 20 seconds later, Bondi tweets, oh no, he's on the exercise bike. I didn't see him. Like he's a bald white dude on a on a basketball team, man. How do you not see him, bro? Come on. Yeah, but like that whole thing kind of like really threw fans off. Like all of the, all of that sequence of events, and then to come out the first quarter, Knicks look Knicks are getting shellacked. They're down like thirty three to like twelve or something at that point. They started like five for eighteen from the field. It was awful. Yeah. Um, and you, you honestly, everyone's thinking to themselves, all right. I mean, I tweeted, I was like, how long until I could turn this game off? Because like, I was just like waiting for like this lead to be like insurmountable to the point where like, it's not even worth watching anymore. But the next day they, they pushed through. I mean, even to end the first quarter, they ended the first quarter on what, like a nine Oh run. And then it turned into like a 15 Oh run heading into like the beginning of the second. Once we quarter. got to the second. Yeah. They went crazy because the thing is too. I was working for like the first, like the end of the first quarter into the second quarter. So I caught the 9-0 run. Then I ran downstairs to check on things. I came back up and we were only down by like four or five because they had even pushed it further. I think he just stuck with the same unit though. But I don't know what it is between the bench and the starters where the bench seems much more equipped to put these comebacks like into motion. And then the starters are better at like, taking that momentum and rolling with it. Like you never see the starters initiate a comeback. Like it just doesn't happen. I don't know if that's something to do with Tibbs rotations, 
or what. But you never see the starters like go on an eight to ten zero run. Like it just doesn't happen. It's always the bench. And then yeah. eventually the starters get worked back in slowly, and they can every now and then, like we saw tonight, finish it off. But even tonight, it was a lot of bench action. Fucking Miles McBride played like twenty four minutes or something. Like, yeah, we did not use our usual rotation. And look, I'm not gonna. Is it nice that Tibbs played who he played at the end of the game? Absolutely. But, I mean, at the end of the day, that's his job. And, like, it's not a hard decision to play the players who put you in position to capitalize on a 21-point deficit. Like, that's not – he didn't have any breakthrough. Like, we don't have to give him props for that. Like, if anything, props to the guys for sticking to it because after last night's loss, nobody would have blamed them for if falling over you know, once the, once the comeback looks shoddy, like, and if they would have rolled over, man, I mean, I don't know how pissed I would have been, but it would have been more reasonable. So, I mean, shout out to everybody. Good team win, especially on the second night of a back-to-back. I think we were three and six, three and six on the second night of a back-to-back this year. So mm-hmm. we're three and four. I'm sorry. We're three and six in the uh, in overtime. overtime games, but we were three and four going into tonight. So now we're 500 on the second night of back-to-backs. I mean, that's, that's what decent ball clubs do, you know? Yeah. Um, shout out to Doc Rivers for like playing his awful bench unit a whole bunch of minutes, which allowed us to like come back into the game. <laughs> Every time there was a timeout, I just kept looking for a Hardner and Embiid to be back in. And then when he finally did it, he only put one of them in. He started with Harden and he didn't even have Embiid in at first. Yeah. And the thing it's is, like, Harden, Harden didn't even have it going offensively. Like he no, was just trying to be a distributor tonight, um, weirdly enough. Um, and that's, that's, that's basically who James Harden is now. I, I was honestly worried because I thought like, I knew Joe was going to get his classic, like 30 points versus us. He had six made baskets and 31 points. I mean, that's literally, that's insane. I mean, he um, had five free throws in like the first 45 seconds. Yeah. It was ridiculous. I thought he was going to have like 20 something free throws, which he ended up with 19 free throws for what it's worth. Yeah, that's insane. 19 free throws. He hit 18 of them. But yeah, I expected that from him. For me, going into this game, I was worried, all right, is James Harden going to have his, like, James Harden loves to go off against us. I don't know why, but like, he'll, he always loves to go off for like a calm five threes or whatever it is. Yeah. I was also worried about like either Tyrese Maxey or Georges Niang just like lighting us up. Niang was um, talking so much shit after the last game. Or was it, we beat them on Christmas, right? They beat us on Christmas. Damn. I don't know why I was missing. And then he was talking shit about how we played defense. Yeah, he said yeah, he, he hasn't seen teams play drop coverage versus him like that in a long time. And guess time. what? He was 0 for 4 tonight. So, George's Niang, you can take your ass back to wherever the f- you're from. All right? <laughs> Go play in the team. But, yeah, um, that's who I was worried about going off against um against us tonight. Thankfully, none of those guys really had it going. Um, It was just really Joel Embiid and, like, yeah. Even then, how much did he have it going? Like, yeah, it was more like him. So it was more so him getting like a bunch of calls. The refs had him going. That's what it was. Let's keep it a buck. Yeah, I mean, gave that man more free throws than shot attempts. All right. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I did want to highlight the bench to start. Shout out to the bench, man. If they could give us this, if they could give us this kind of consistent production, um, and I know Fournier is not part of the bench unit, um, because only it was because of RJ being out. But if, you know, when quickly gets back to the bench and if him and Deuce can really provide like this kind of consistent offensive spark and Hartenstein keeps doing things that he's doing defensively um, and on the glass, I, I feel really confident about like 
how like how we can play in certain matchups like come playoff time I or mean, even especially play considering that they're gonna make an on the margins trade too so yeah they are we're gonna have another player come in that they think you know hopefully this year they can be on the same page with Thibodeau about a role right but they're gonna have another player come in and that they think can impact and if it's not on Anobi then that player's coming off the bench so we're talking about the bench getting better and hopefully RJ getting his you know sick head out of his ass <laughs> okay there's a lot of potential here. I, it was either you or Tyrese. Somebody said, you know, other coaches have to be looking at this team and realizing that we're a 50-win team, like, easily. Like, we are. Like, we're a talented ball club. It's just a matter of the coach being able to optimize that talent in the, the highest level possible. Yeah, it's the orchestration of the operation. I mean, where you're putting your pieces that are best fit. And, you know, not having that, is making us look like this borderline team. But, I mean, we showed tonight, We sh- even more so last night, rolling with the Clippers, and Kawhi had a 35-piece, like, and Paul George had a heater, right? Like, we can roll with pretty much anybody. It's The difference is the waves and how Thibodeau's embracing, you know, or going against them with his lineups and his substitutions and whether or not we're going to succeed in those situations. Yeah, definitely. The pieces are there, man. He's got what he needs. Yeah, there's no more excuses for Thibs saying that the roster isn't talented enough because on a nightly basis, like you said, we are in every single game that we play. Like, I can't remember the last time we've been, like, absolutely blown out of the water from start to finish. That's in what a I'm game saying. Yeah. We were talking about it last night. We are like, when's the last time we had a normal-ass fucking game? Like, because these guys, it's like a heavyweight fight every night. It's like literally a Rocky movie every night. Sometimes Apollo Creed wins. Sometimes Rocky wins. But guess what? Even when Rocky loses, you come out, you're like, yo, Rocky's that motherfucking dude, bro. Like, Yeah. Um, Chris, 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 Chris Herring had a tweet like last month, which I think really applies to us. He said, well, he, it was about us, but I think it like applies. It's been even more pertinent since he says, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but if you were to tell me there's someone that actually sits and sits and watches Knicks games with one of those Buffalo wild wings buzzers, I'd believe you. Yeah. I mean, what's the, the way wild wings buzzer it's basically, I think it was this, it was, I think it was this commercial basically where like at, at Buffalo wild wings, like these people, they pushed like a buzzer to like, have these games like either go into like overtime or like have these oh, crazy finishes yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. yeah so I, like every single Knicks game is is like that there's someone that's like pushing some type of button that is like making us like have insane finishes on a night-to-night basis um I mean it's just the unexpected we just can't again we just can't have a normal game even tonight it was like man I was pissed we were in a hole you know and we were down 21 points but I also knew at some point they were going to run off for 12 points at least, you know, that's just who this team is. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So, I mean, we can go through, we can talk about some of the starters, I guess, because we, we started with the bench tonight. Um, but Julius Randle led the way in scoring 24 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, really um, came eight of 19 the from the, the field. Huh? Yeah, He really came through at the end of the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, had that uh, crazy floater. And yeah, a couple of them just high off the glass, kissing them, bro. Like, yeah, it was nice. I didn't think that any of them were going in. I don't think that weird reverse layup definitely. Yeah. I was like, no, I he should have like, got, got a call on that one, too. 
He probably should have, yeah. The refs were being finicky tonight, hence MB getting 19 free throws. Yeah. Um, I do want to highlight Jericho Sims. Um, a lot of people, you know, myself included, I, I haven't really been so high on Jericho Sims since he's been the starter, but I thought tonight he did a pretty good job um, on the glass a little bit better today. Seven boards. Um, you know, he got Board some contested rebounds. Yeah. Like, I thought he did a pretty okay job tonight, given the matchup. Um, of course, it's going to be highly overshadowed, and rightfully so, because Hartenstein just was a man amongst boys in, in the paint when it came to just, like, deterring shots as well as grabbing rebounds, offensive and defensive. So, yeah. It's just funny to me because this is the kind of game, if I was Tibbs, I would seriously consider starting Isaiah in the next game because of the way that he finished, you know, up until he fouled out. But because it's Tibbs, he's going to keep rolling with Sims because he's a results-based coach, and he's going to say, well, we got the win, and we did it this way. So mm-hmm. we're going to keep doing it this way. Yep. Sims is going to keep starting, and he was better tonight. I thought last night he was dog shit. Uh, and, you know, Zubats is not as – it's a different kind of matchup. Uh, you're talking about two completely different players as far as, you know, in the post and outside, but Embiid is not an easy matchup to go to the next day either. And I thought that, you know, he held his own for a little bit. You could see there were some learning moments where he stopped falling for some of that same bullshit that Embiid was giving him in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Like in the third quarter, especially he stopped baiting or stopped falling for the bait, you know, excuse me, uh, and start and started fouling less. Uh, but yeah, four offensive rebounds against Joel Embiid. I mean, I'm not going to complain about that. Uh, I'll be happy when Mitch is back. Though. That's tonight. These last two games have both been games where it's like, I mean, that's he's he's the game changer. Like, there's a reason why he's got the deal. He's with us. Like, definitely. I, I can't think of Mitch's record with the 76ers in the past or how he's played against MB, but I just know he would have played better. Uh, but no, shout out to Sims. He held his own today, uh, especially after last night. Yeah. So, you know, that's definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, Jalen Brunson, 21 points, five rebounds, seven assists. Um, little little panicky at the end of the game with the way he was handling the ball. But, you know, we got things done. I mean, he's supposed to be the guy that's, like, really steadying things, easing things down at the end of the game. Calm in the moment, you know, calm in the pocket. He's supposed to be the quarterback. Yeah. And we haven't seen that at all, uh, especially, I mean, just these last two games. but. He was hitting clutch shots last night, but the ball handling was still shaky. Like, in overtime, maybe you're gassed at that point. But tonight, I mean, he almost gave the game away. It was like... Yeah, there were a lot of shaky possessions with him. And then he started getting pissed about the one freaky play where he got the ball like three different times and finally stepped out of bounds after it had been like ping-ponged. Mm-hmm. And he started getting pissed and like stomping his feet. I'm like, bro, we're up eight and there's a minute and 19 seconds left. You got to chill the fuck out. It's like... He's just not wired in this calm and composure way that we need him to be. Not that Tibbs is like leading by example, but it's just, I feel like at the beginning of the season, Jalen was so much better in these moments and so much calmer. And you didn't see that emotion. I can't help but wonder if that's like the wear and tear of the pressure, you know, as like the season mounts and like we're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline, which means all-star break, which means playoffs right around the corner. I don't know if these are things that are going through his mind and affecting him in that regard, but he's got to, he's got to snap it back in. I don't know if that means he has to do the breathing exercises with Julius before the game or or what, 
but he's lost his composure uh, at the end of games multiple times. Uh, I think well, he, I think he's been pretty much fine. I think tonight was one of those weird, those weird instances. I mean, last game he did a really great job of getting his shot, and then also I think he also did a good job finding shots for guys, especially that Quentin Grimes huge three in last the corner of the play. play from him. Yeah, yeah. So I think one, I think tonight was one of those weirder examples um, of him like just like losing his cool in that moment. But I think he was also just um, he was just like generally frustrated because he also had the whole free throw thing going on today as well tonight too, um yeah. which you know has been it's been a weird season for him with the free throws like there was a point earlier in the season where he was like really great then he had this stretch where he was like really bad and then we he's been on a pretty great look. streak since that bad streak and then tonight is like one of those hiccups we so, thought we had know. a guy who was automatic and he was and he can be in stretches but i love this quote from doc rivers they asked him about the sixers bench hold up he said I didn't think they played any defense or passed to each other. I got a hard time disagreeing. Well, I mean, Sixers, yeah, one assist, one assist yeah. for the Sixers. Bench. I mean, when their bench was in the game, it felt like there was cones out there for the Knicks to just like score on. The, the Knicks were scoring with ease once the Sixers bench was out there. I mean, part of that is you know great defenders like Montrez Harrell and Shake Milton and, and Georges Niang are, you know, just stifling the Knicks every single possession. Isn't Harrell supposed to be like Embiid's backup? He played three minutes tonight. Yeah. Which is yeah. why I'm back on the market looking for a backup big. He's just not good. Yeah, it, it was like, wow. I'm looking at the minutes tonight. It's like, I mean, who did who played Embiid's backup minutes? Was it like a, a mix of like – playing PJ at the five and I think it was. Yeah. And, and Paul Reed played like eight minutes or so. They were yeah. bad, bad, bad Paul Reed minutes. Somebody tell Hollinger. Yeah. But yeah, they, they definitely, it was, it was, it was a rough game for their bench. And thankfully our bench was able to step up. Shout out to Evan. Shout out to Mick. Shout out to Deuce. Um, and you know, yeah. Great. Uh, Doug. Very great win. Probably the best one of this season. I mean, to come off the back to back and be down twenty one. Yeah, it's the in the first comeback. quarter. Yeah, we haven't been down more than twenty one and come back and won it. So that's, I mean, you got to take that. Definitely enjoy it. When do we yep. play next? Tuesday. Yeah, we play the. I think we play the Magic oh, on Tuesday in Orlando. Oh, the Magic in Orlando. Okay. And they've been they've been playing really pretty well lately. They're like, uh, what did I see earlier? They're like twenty nine and twelve or something in their last like forty something games. Well, they're twenty two and thirty two in the year. Yeah, you know what I meant. <laughs> but they've got a good record, and they're playing well, especially since Fultz came back. Yeah, uh, that's definitely helped steady them. And you know, we're gonna have to. Keep an eye on that. Definitely don't want Gary Harris going off for, you know, like five threes or something. He's been playing well. He has been. (laughs) So, yeah, that's something to look forward to Um, on Tuesday. All right. So, that might be a dub. Could be. We got a win at the Garden tonight. Yeah. Shout out to that. I will always take a win at MSG. Are we just going to be three games above 500 for the rest of the year? I feel like we can't, like, escape this threshold of, like, being three games over 500 on the year like these last ever since the eight game win streak um 
Good times, that win streak. Good times. Um, so we were seven games under 500 at last year's deadline. So We were? Yeah, seven games. And did we make any moves? No. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think they kind of accepted their fate at that point. Rightfully so. Yeah, but that's why I kind of wrote, like, and not to veer too far off the path, but I wrote in our deadline that's coming out uh, tomorrow afternoon, our roundtable. Add that. Add that. Have to... Yeah, knock it out. Uh, but I touched on the fact that you're three games above 500, now is the time to make a deal. And that's why you got to make that trade if you think there's a bench piece to help inflate things, if they think they can get on an OB for a reasonable price, uh, because this team is close, like we said. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, all right, we're gonna head into some, to some comments. We do got quite a few rolling in. Before we get there, though, it's time for everyone's favorite part of these shows: the ad read. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet five dollars and win two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new. And existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Um, shout out to Swin, who had the Knicks money line call, right? Did Yesterday. I don't know. He had a couple glasses of ginger ale. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he placed that, but... Oh man, but yeah, he called it. He called it. He said Nick's money line. He, he said did. he'll put some put some money on it. Um, who knows if he did? I don't know if Tyrese put some action on it too. I know they were t- talking about it, but if anyone else that was listening put some money on Nick's money line, you definitely won that. Shouts. Um, and and shout to you if you doubled do down oh. in the first quarter while the Knicks were down um 21. That would have been a great time to put some money down on Nick's right. money line seeing how the Sixers always fold. Literally. Uh, we were 0-11 after trailing after the third quarter tonight. Or, I'm sorry, yep. on the season. Yep. We're now 1-11. That's a had new to, one. Had to get that win somehow. Um, download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code TBPN. Minimum agent eligible restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes or show description for details. All right. Let's get into some comments. Um, Brian Benjamin says, Brunson's playing like he's trying to get that all-star spot left by Kyrie. Also, he really doesn't pass, LOL, but can you blame him? Um, So clarification, because I did tweet out today. Um, without having any information. So apparently Kyrie, he still is would be under like the East All-Star guards because he played a majority of his season under East All-Star, um, under the in the East. Um, also, people have referenced to me that when Melo got traded to the Knicks, um, he was still a all-star for the West That's that year. One. Yeah. So I didn't realize. I figured that's how it was going to end up. I'm like, the NBA is not going to turn that much up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if anybody doesn't fall out, though. 
I think Fox, you think Fox is getting it in the West now? Could be. I just, I mean, it's either him or Ant. Ant, yeah, yeah, sorry. Jaw's already in. He'll probably start. Mm-hmm. Or no, Dame might start too, though. I don't know. I think it'll be Jaw because of the votes, how many votes he had. Right. And Jaw had the third most votes amongst guards. So he'll get the starter spot, and then they'll probably put Fox or Ant to start. I mean, to um, replace um, Steph's spot. I think you got to go Fox. But yeah, hopefully Brunson finds his way in there. It just doesn't. It's not going to be in place for Kyrie, unfortunately, Brian. Yeah, unfortunately, I thought that's how things would work. It makes sense it would, but you know, I guess it doesn't make sense to the NBA. Um. All right. Let's see. Chris Barnard saying, Evan going out with a bang tonight. I hope everything works out for him in Utah or Toronto. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny, Not though. I mean, yeah. for him to have this performance right before, you know, also, I mean, right before the trade deadline, you know, it's pretty. If this was his last game as a Nick, shout out to the French night. The French night rises tonight. <laughs> what a great game for Evan. That one uh, three, he had to be at least 31 foot off the right side. Mm. That shit was nice. They yeah, played well. he, had, he had a bunch of wild, absolutely wild heat checks, by the way. Yeah, he missed one of them, but that's all right. You can't hit them all. But yeah, his three, the one where he relocated after Brunson dived, that shit was beautiful. But no, shout yeah. out to Evan Fournier. He's been a good soldier. You can say a lot of things about him and how he played, you know, to start the season uh, or even last season. But, man, has he been a good soldier. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he finds some playing time wherever he's at next. Definitely. Um, he could definitely help a team who just needs some spot shooting out there. Um, he was able to provide that for us tonight, um, and we came out with a win. Um, All right. Chris Bernard also says, also, thank God Iheart woke up from his two-month nap to start playing well in 23. Now all we need is Mitch back, and the center position will be just fine. Yeah, I mean, Hartenstein, he definitely was really bad to start the season. He's definitely turned things up since the new year has flipped. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I can't say anything, any more positive things than what he's already been doing, so. I wonder if, you know, our expectations weren't inappropriately high given what we know about Tom Thibodeau as a coach. Uh, Of course, it was going to be difficult for Hart to snap in. Like, (laughs) people have brought it up a hundred times. His assist percentage in L.A. was over 20%. It's not even 6% this year with the Knicks. To say that he is playing a completely different role is underselling it. Like, he probably was never going to snap in right away. And that wasn't really fair of us to assume that. Could he have played better, you know, on the defensive end, assuredly, and he's had some Noel-esque moments with his hand. But, uh, yeah, maybe he just needed time. I I can still see him being a productive member of this team, especially after, you know, back-to-back games like we had last night and today. Definitely. Um, Let's see. What else do we have here? Jordan Bub says drop a like and subscribe to the channel. Definitely do that. We are on our way to 1K subs. All that you do will help us with the YouTube algorithm. I have no idea how the YouTube algorithm works, 
but leaving a like and subscribing definitely helps us out a ton. So thank you, Jordan Bob, for that. RR says, I asked Tyrese about Randall's floater package in the summer. Now look at us. Yeah, he's had he's had some pretty good floaters this year. I will say that. So, you know, shout out to the summer work that he put in. Floater, yeah. He's pretty erratically hitting it in different places off the glass. But, yes, he's he's uh, he's had some nice moments, especially tonight in the fourth. And he had three of them at least. Uh, I didn't think any of them were going to go in, as we mentioned. but. Yeah, shout out to Randall adding something different, you know, to his game on offense, especially after last season. We've talked about how he kind of locked in. Uh, and he was, I mean, he was just as important to tonight's win as Evan Fournier was down the stretch. Definitely. Um, let's see. As Arthur says, quality win against a good opponent. Early ball movement was beautiful to watch. Um. I just see. I just saw a tweet here. Someone says Knicks just beat a top four team in the NBA while missing two starters and having played an overtime game the night before. Impressive. Let's talk about it. Yeah. If it wasn't so corny, I'd say hang the banner. <laughs> this was a yeah. Game. The hang the banner jokes have been all ruined thanks yeah. to one Tommy Beer. Yeah, Bommy was on honestly like ruined the joke. Sincerely, these are one of those wins though that make you feel like that. The 76ers are good. They had won eight straight games on the road uh, coming into tonight. So that's they're, – they're the anti-Knicks. They, they play their best ball on the road, and we beat them at home tonight. So that's uh, unstoppable force meets a movable object. You got to take that. Yeah. Um, hmm. Oh my gosh. But yeah, definitely. I mean, I was, I mean, obviously pretty negative heading into this game. If you just saw my timeline and, and, and especially after the result of last night's game, like you said, it's hard to be, it's hard not to be, Um, but you know, shout out to the Knicks for being the most unpredictable, predictable team ever. They're predictable in how their style of play is, but they're unpredictable in the result that you'll get. Um, you know, lose to the Lakers, battle with the Clippers to, to take them to overtime, battle with the Sixers and come back from 21 down in the first quarter and win the game without two starters. I mean, it's just wild what this team is able to do. And I like, yeah, I don't really know how other, how else other to explain it. Definitely just. Jekyll and Hyde and a secret third identity. <laughs> the way they played the last three games. I enjoy it to a certain extent, but more wins would be nice. And hey, three games above 500, like you said. That seems to be our if that's so if That's how we finished. So that's what, 44 and 38? Yeah, that'd be three games above 500. 41, 41, yeah. Uh I mean, that's a good year. I mean, shit. What did we win the 21-22-47? Or, I'm sorry, two years ago? We won. We went 41-31. and 31. Oh, we went because it was 72-game season. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. 44-38, and 38, we're in the playoffs, and I don't think we're in the play-in either. So, I wouldn't hate that, especially if things are coming together. Uh, playoff matchup is definitely a conversation for a later date, but 
three games above 500, man. I mean, it's, you can complain about a bunch of stuff, but at the end of the day, so many teams aren't. Yeah. Especially in this weird new NBA landscape we're about to head into after the trade deadline. I mean, we already had one big, huge trade today, which we, which we can discuss um, later and how it might impact the Knicks and their price for, you know, other players going forward. Um, but yeah, let's see. Um, Ace Bouchard says Fournier is the new Kemba. He's good for one game. Um, he's good for one game with a four month rest. I mean, hey, he's like the breaking case of emergency guy. I mean, he's 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 played a he's played a decent amount this year. It's like he's not hasn't been he hasn't really been just like completely on ice. He's played a bunch when guys are just like not in the rotation or not in the game. So, or if we have the full rotation and we just play like absolute dog shit, yeah. But I mean, this year he's only played one, two, three, four, five, six games. Wow, twenty twenty three, and we are one, two, three. Or I'm sorry, tonight would have been the seventh game. Forgive me. Uh, so we are one, two, three, four. We're four and three when Fournier plays in twenty twenty three. God, I hope nobody tells Tibbs that. Don't tell him that. He'll put him right back in the rotation. Right. He'll expand it to 10 men. Which wouldn't be too bad, honestly, if he expands the rotation to 10 guys. It's just I don't trust Fournier to be a reliable 10th guy. Like, good for him for having this game, but, like, I don't trust him to do this on a nightly basis. Like, the reason why tonight was so great is because it was like, oh, shit, Fournier went off, like, finally. Literally. That goes back to my point about Thibodeau where it's like, Everybody's rebounding on me for a tweet I made earlier. I sent out a tweet and said, uh, I don't think that Tom Thibodeau deserves another game with this team. And do I stand by that after the game? I mean, obviously to a lesser extent because we won the fucking ball game. But at the same time, Thibodeau, Evan Fournier, who he brought out in case of an emergency, hit five threes. Mm -hmm. He scored a season high in points. These aren't things that he's coaching for. These are just things that are happening by way of virtue from the guys that are on the floor. Evan Fournier was as close to hitting five threes and winning us this game as he was to not being on the floor for the entire fucking 48 minutes. So that doesn't, to me, relinquish any blame. I mean, again, we went down 21. And the offense is just so uninspiring. I just... Yeah. There was the, even that one sequence towards the end of the game where Randall and Fournier just kept playing hot potato with the ball. It's like, what are we doing here? Whoever is the coach after Tom Thibodeau, because this guy is not going to be the coach for the Knicks, you know, within a reasonable three-year window from today, somebody else will be in his place. I anticipate we'll see some creativity on offense that we are not akin to, and things will be smoother. We're going to have a coach that, like, runs, like, like all these different, like, motion actions and shit, and we're going to be like, oh, my I'm not God. even going to know what the fuck it is. Because I've been watching Tom Thibodeau's teams for three years straight. My brain is so defunct of any actual basketball, like, graft playbook. <laughs> like, I have no idea. I just expect the ball to go to Julius. And if it doesn't go to Julius, it goes to Brunson. And if it doesn't go to Brunson, then it goes to RJ. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's literally it. Uh, I don't know. You'd like to see him do something more. I can't imagine that he's scheming a bunch of this stuff up, but. Whatever. Again, he watches the tape. What do I know? What do we know? We're not coaches. Nope. Um, 
Let's see. Jordan Bubb says, IQ was fouled when he made the shot at the end of the third quarter, and I think he got injured on the play as well, which factors into the decision to not play him in the fourth quarter. Well, I haven't seen or heard anything about that, so I don't want to speculate about him having an injury. Um, and Colin can can check right now. But I think IQ just didn't have it going tonight, um, mainly due to, like, starters not really knowing how to play with him. Um, at least this set of starters not knowing how to play with him. Um, and that definitely didn't help with, you know, him getting into into any type of offensive flow. Um, and, you know, Deuce and Hartenstein, they just had it going today as well Deuce as Fournier. Actually, yeah. So, like, I think Dibs just felt comfortable leaving the guys out there that, you know, had it going, which is weird because when the team is fully healthy, he will continue to just, like, go back to, like, like, he'll go to, like, RJ. Even if RJ's not having the best game, like, he'll be like, oh, I'm going back to RJ because, like, or because of size or some some other reason. But, like, or he'll go back to, like, any other player that's not really playing that well. And he'll be like, oh, you know, this is their regular rotation, so I'm just going to stick to it. So when guys are injured and the rotations change a whole bunch, you know, Dibs will do the things that he's supposed to do, i.e., you know, sticking with the guys that that won him, won him the minutes that they've played already. Sometimes to a detriment because he'll end up playing guys like fifteen plus straight minutes, um, which is ridiculous because any other team would just stagger the minutes of their players so that way they don't get too gassed. Um, after playing so much long, but um, I'm assuming, Colin, you haven't found anything about the Emmanuel Quickly injury. I just, I was about to tell you, so check Discord. I just sent it to you. Like the uh, actual play that this, uh, that Jordan is talking about referencing. Okay. If you look, that's a video courtesy of Zebo 187 in the Discord. Guys, we are always talking basketball. Uh, we got a bunch of guys with a bunch of access to different tools. Guys are clipping plays, bringing up stat searches. Uh, it is all hoop all the time. Uh, at the Strickland Discord, you guys ought to join our Patreon and hang out with us uh, because it is really – we do this shit 24-7. Uh, it's it's a blast, really. Uh, you can go to our Twitter, see more about that. But otherwise, you know, the strict.land you know, on uh, on the interwebs. And if you join the $6 tier on our Patreon, you can join the conversation with us. Oh, yeah, I see him holding his, like, his thigh or something like that after the play. That could be. Um, I'll wait to hear if, like, you know – if he's actually hurt. I'm not confident one way or the other, but I understand why Jordan may have thought that. Yeah. I mean, IQ someone that's like, he really doesn't let any like injury or any of the sort, like really take him out of a game or bother him that much. I mean, so, speaking of, that might be a good segue. RJ, that was weird. Yes. Very weird. That was really weird. He did the I whole mean, he, he was in the pregame, like lineups, like, they tweeted the starting lineup. And they he tweeted the starting it. lineup. They tweeted a video of him dunking pregame. That's crazy. And then they said he's he he felt sick. It makes you wonder if like a part of the fact that he had a terrible game yesterday kind of goes into that. Where it's like, yeah, like you're obviously in a rut. Like maybe just go ice it up. We'll see you. We'll see you on Tuesday. Could be. But I also, mean, hey, they were still able to pull out the win. So Brunson was also sick a couple days ago. So I think the running theory is that. Does the sickness going around on the team? Passed, passed it to him, yeah. Could be. But also, like, man, RJ gets sick a lot, man. That's what you said he is. 
What did you say? The immune I said he has the immune system of a toddler and mainly because I can relate because I work with toddlers right. every well, day. Anybody knows. Yeah. So I know how bad their immune systems are. And like, my goodness, this guy needs like a life supply of Pedialyte because it's ridiculous. Either that or he needs a new nutritionist because like, my goodness, always sick. But man, I hope he feels better. I hope it doesn't, you know, really affect him to the point where he has another stinky streak and, you know, everyone's shitting on him or whatever. But like, yeah. Um, and, you know, some people are probably gonna be like, oh, that's probably the reason why he was bad last night. Mm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I don't really like to put so much stock into it, although he does look really pathetic when he's sick. It's better if he just doesn't play if he's going to be that pathetic then, in my opinion. But hey, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully this guy gets some tea or something. And he's got Caribbean background roots. Um, they are great with this type of, you know, remedy when it comes to being sick. So, you know, hopefully he goes back to his roots and, you know, get some quick remedies to get, get, get better. Get some tea, RJ. At uh, NY post underscore Berman. Great to see 2021 draft pick Miles McBride knock down his threes. If he can maintain consistency there, you got something special off the bench because he's such a team first guy. Shout out Mark Berman. <laughs> no lies. Tweeting no, from the grave. No lies there. No lies being told there. Um, he's right. I mean, you know, with with players like Deuce, I know, like in hindsight, now you're like, man, it's good to you know, be patient with these type of players when like they're going through these ruts. Um, but man, it, it was rough when Deuce just didn't have it going offensively and he just looked like lost out there in terms of like wanting to take shots and do anything on on defense. I mean on or on offense, I mean. Um, so it's good to see him finally come out of that. It's very Obi like as far as the progression and confidence. Yeah. And like we're really seeing it in real time. This isn't anything that just happened overnight. Like it's been very gradual. And uh, nights like tonight, like good for him. And the uh, fact that it's happening on a winning team makes it yeah, all the more exactly special. too. This isn't like the seventeen sixty five Knicks Kevin Knox. You know what I mean? Like Oof. this is no. This is Miles McBride playing a role for a coach who wouldn't play him if he wasn't helping us towards a win. At least, so Tibbs says. Obi Toppin may beg to differ, but nonetheless, uh, Deuce is playing big for us in wins. And that, yeah. It means something in the grand scheme of of things. Let me find this uh, tweet I just read from Andrew Claudio. In the last two weeks, the Knicks have beaten the Boston Celtics, who are the number one seed in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers, who are the number two seed in the East, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are the fifth seed in the East, and the Miami Heat, who are the sixth seed in the East. This team is just stupid. (laughs) <laughs> it makes no sense because then we lose to the Lakers. That's like, not really Bondi's injury luck bullshit either. All right. Yeah. Everybody was there for all those games. Yeah. Like, or did Jalen Brown miss the Knicks game? I don't think so. No, he was there. Yeah, he was there. He was the one that missed the free throws. Yeah, he missed in, free in overtime. Because that's where we got the Randall smiling photo. Yeah. <laughs> uh 
Yeah, just but like... yeah, we've beaten the, all these teams fully healthy. And the big joke on the post game that me and Jeff have is that like every opponent gets healthy right for the Knicks. And like literally every single one of those games, I was like, oh, great. Like the Celtics, they rested all their guys the night before versus Miami. So that way they can have all their guys healthy versus the Knicks. Cleveland, they were missing like Donovan Mitchell and Jarrett Allen before they played the Knicks. Oh, wow. They're both magically healthy to play the Knicks. The Clippers, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they're always, you know, fluctuating who misses games, who plays the games. They were both decided to play versus the Knicks. Like, you know, Miami, Jimmy Butler, always out. You know, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, all those guys, you know, they all, you know, decide when they don't want to play, when they want to play. They all decide to play versus the Knicks, you know. Yeah, everyone likes to, you know, be ready for the Knicks. And, you know, I guess that shows a level of respect, I guess, for us, um, in a way. Yeah. Our guys are kind of plugged in, man. Like, the players on our team are popular guys. Like, Yeah, everyone loves Jalen Brunson. Everyone loves Brunson. Most people love Randall. They respect him as a competitor. Like, Mitch is a freak of nature. Like, RJ, Duke, like, took the picture with Kay and Kyrie and them. Like, yeah. Our guys are pretty respected. Like, from that angle, we're not the fucking magic. You know, guys aren't like, whatever, we're not the kings, you know. Uh, Shout out to the Kings though They have you know The light the beam shit this year They have the third seed Yeah so, I just know. heard a tweet That they're eight They're uh, two and eight When their opponents Are on the second night Of a back to back Interesting So Everything I've said about them Being a fraud playoff team Is pretty much holding up Well in because the playoffs There's no back to backs It doesn't matter though If you can't win those In the regular season I mean that's That's a competitive That's Advantage. that Instant kill. Like, you should fucking, you should be ready to put them down. I don't look too much into that for playoffs. Because, like, there's no back-to-backs in the playoffs. So, it's just like. I'm saying I'm t- this, them playing teams that are on the second night of a back-to-back is testing mm-hmm. their grit and mm. their competitiveness. Like, if you are, because they're the three seed in the West, right? Like. I believe so. Look back at, like, the top three seeds. Like, these are teams that win in those situations. Mm-hmm. That's why the 76ers are frauds, too. Because <laughs> they couldn't beat us tonight. Man, the West is so weird. 29-23 is good for third in the in the, uh, in the West. Wow. This NBA season is weird. JL says, the way we end games is so frustrating. Even when it feels over, these clowns can't get it over half court. Good win, though. A good win. But... Tonight is not the first night where they've had a hard time getting the ball across half court. And we're not playing, you know, all defensive guards here. You know, it's like James Harden is locking us up in the half court. Come on. Yeah. I don't disagree. J.O. Appreciate you tuning back in tonight. Yeah, I mean, the way we end games is always frustrating whether it's like we can't get the ball over half court we can't get the ball in bounds you know we can't hold the ball we can't make free throws with the ball you know it's always something shout out miles mcbride for his absolute bunnies on that faulty pass oh yeah the odell the odell catch he made and like tossed it yeah. to grimes who somehow kept it in bounds and got it to Brunson, who got it to like Sims in the corner, who got that dunk, I believe. For three seconds, did you think that Sims was going to pull up? (laughs) No, not at all. 
Not at all. I didn't think that at all. I would have given that man a hundred dollars because he was wide open. I thought like for one second, maybe he was just going to show off a little bit. No, <laughs> but I respect it. Cause then Tibbs would have benched him for like 12 games. <laughs> I don't think he would have pulled it unless it will. Like, I don't, I, I... Maybe if like time was expiring. Yeah. If like the time was like, definitely like really dwindling down then. Yeah. yeah. But there was like a split second because he was just wide open. I was like, no, good for him. He made the cut for the dunk. It was nice. Jericho yeah. Sims had the dagger tonight. Let it be on the record. All right. Ace Bouchard getting into the real nitty gritty. So the Nets big three looking a little different these days, huh? <laughs> oh, man. Vindication. Vindication for all Knicks fans. It's sweet. Um, you know, that that Brooklyn big three, clean sweep era, all that good shit, you know, didn't go through. Like, what did Katie and Kyrie play? What, 70-something games together? Yeah, 78 games, I think. Wow. That's remarkable. Oh, <laughs> what's even funnier now is I'm, I'm seeing, like, Chris Haynes talk said that the Suns offered like two first round picks, Jay Crowder and Chris Paul for Kyrie. Um, Joe Sy didn't want to negotiate with the Lakers because he didn't want to send Kyrie there on his yeah. shit. Like, yeah, so um, I started to read all this. Yeah, it looks like the Suns actually offered one first and Chris oh, one Paul first and Jay Crowder. And then the Nets said they wanted three firsts. Uh, so the Suns called their bullshit. Uh, the Clippers offered Kennard. Uh, man. Yeah, man. Uh, a first and like some swaps, right? And yeah, and a swap too. Two swaps. Uh, and the Nets said no. Uh, Clippers said, okay, you. And then uh, the Lakers <laughs> offered Christie and Reeves. And I think. Russ? Russ with two firsts. But I think it was something to do with the protections, maybe that. No, what it was is I saw a report that came out just like a couple, like a thirty minutes ago or so. But they were like Josiah just didn't want to send Kyrie to, to his preferred destination, which was the Lakers. Stein did write that in his newsletter. He wrote that mm. one of the underlying themes was that, you know, Sai had given a mandate. Let me read the exact quote, so I'm not paraphrasing out the ass. <laughs> uh, but he wrote that in his newsletter. His, I mean. Mark Stein's an NBA insider. No one's going to take that away from him, but he's a Dallas guy through and through. Uh, I try to keep that in mind. Oh, yeah, here it is. It's Trevor Lane. He said, latest report from the Stein line confirms that one of Josiah's presumed objectives in a Kyrie trade was to not send him to his preferred landing spot, the Lakers. Yeah. That's hilarious. One of the presumed objectives. Held by team owner Josiah by sending Irving somewhere other than the Lakers. Uh, Stein also says that Durant is a Finney Smith fan because, of course, he is. Uh, and then the Nets also refused Dallas's attempts to send Christian Wood as a part of the deal, which is interesting. Because mm. I think that I think what the Mavericks want to do is they want to use Wood to get like more depth. Um, no, one hundred percent. But they tried to send Wood as a part of this deal. Mm. Now, Stein also says that Wood. God, I hate this guy's fucking name. Christian Wood. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Wood? No, okay. That the Clippers have interest. 
uh, in Christian Wood and D'Angelo Russell, as that's already been reported. And then uh, here's my favorite line from the whole thing. Where's that? Okay. The flip side. Dallas has as strong an infrastructure as a team possibly could to bring Irving on board in the middle of a season with Nico Harrison as its GM and Jason Kidd as its coach. All right, man. Every team that Kyrie Irving has ever played for has had as strong as infrastructure as it could. And you've seen the screenshots. And he comes in and he tears that shit down. You've seen the screenshots today, right? The, oh, Kyrie Irving's thrilled to be here for the Celtics. You know, Cleveland, I'm thrilled to be here long term. Today it comes out. Kyrie Irving's thrilled to play with Luka Doncic. He's ecstatic. He's ecstatic. He was ecstatic to be in Cleveland. He was ecstatic to join Brad Stevens. Literally. I got to make a graphic. You know the Ryan Fitzpatrick cycle for the Mm -hmm. NFL? I got to make one with Kyrie Irving where it's like, he's ecstatic to be there. Plays well to start. Starter gets hurt or something. And then now he's back to being a fucking dickhead. How is Luka even health-wise? Because I think Kyrie's going to have to play a little bit by himself at first. Yeah, he he was dealing with a heel. He was dealing with an ankle injury. He was back from that. Now he's dealing with like a heel injury. He's out like for two games. Yeah. Uh, so what do you, what do you think in general about the, the uh, about the trade? Well, I mean, what I will say is, look at the Mavs bench. Look at their defense now. <laughs> like, it's it's hilarious. I mean, I presume starting lineup is comedy. Yeah, it's Luca, Kyrie, Tim Hardaway apparently at small forward, Christian Wood, um, and, Christian Dwight Wood and Dwight Powell. That is hideous. So, it's not a position I like to be in. It's not comfortable for me. Put yourself in the shoes of the Mavericks. What what are you pivoting towards to help counter this trade that you made? It's got to be front court, right? Yeah, definitely. You got to use Christian Wood's salary. Tim Hardaway makes eighteen million. Uh, you got Davis Bertans makes eighteen million. You got salary to work with. I think Hardaway may be expiring this year because didn't he turn down an extension or maybe they didn't offer him one? I'm about to pull up their salary book real quick, but they're gonna have to flip this because Stein also made sure to note that the Mavericks have not made any notion of hey we're going to give you a deal whether right now or in the summertime this Mm. is very much like luca got hurt Kyrie can drop 30 then together they'll be the highest scoring backcourt in the league like let's run with it but it feels very much like a win now move and then if everything goes 10 out of 10 we'll talk about contract later so that being said there has to be another domino that's going to fall because Kyrie. Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., Christian Wood, and Dwight Powell isn't winning shit. Oh, hell no. Not even in the West. And the West is weak, but the West goes through the Nuggets and the Grizzlies, Grizzlies. right now. Because uh, I think Steph's going to be out for like a month. But mm-hmm. So Dwight Powell makes $11 million. Uh, Davis Bertans makes $16 million. So Dwight Powell's salary is expiring. So that's a good one right there. You got an $11 million expiring salary. Christian Wood makes $14 million. He's also expiring. So you've got $25 million in expiring salary that you can use. Like, you can make something happen with that. 
For sure. It's going to be for someone who's under contract for, you know, another year or so. And it's also not going to be anybody splashy because they definitely don't have picks to work with now. Right. I mean, they sent the 29 first. We've got their 23. Uh, Let me pull up uh, their picks as well. But I'm thinking if I'm the Mavericks, right, like Nas Reed, somebody I'm probably looking at. Mm -hmm. uh, I almost – I don't know. They got to do something, though, Uh, because this is not – this is a precedent. This is not the last thing. They've got their 24, 25, and 26, and 27 first-rounders. So, but they can't trade the 24, right? I don't think so. So they can only trade 25. So they could do 25 and 27 if they wanted to get weird. But, I mean, shit, you're setting yourself up for fucking hell. If you trade both your 25 and your 27. Yeah. yeah, Chris Bernard says maybe the Mavericks get a guy like Sadiq Bay. Uh, I've been on the record. I think Sadiq uh, gets a bad rap from Tyrese specifically. Uh, I you know saw the stat tonight in his last eleven games. He's averaging over five free throw attempts and shooting ninety percent from the charity stripe. Uh, he's he's a guy who's getting to the basket, and obviously he is a decent three point shooter. Uh, right now, their biggest three point threat is going to be Bullock probably. <laughs> Outside of Kyrie and Yikes. right, and we all know how that goes. Everybody in this room should be very familiar with what that looks like. Uh, what do you What do you think about like a John Collins? Like it's terrible, but could you see it happening though? Just search John Collins on Twitter under my name to see yeah. how I feel about John. But Collins. you can see that happening, right? Like I could very well see Dallas like trying to trade for John Collins. That would not surprise me. That's that kind of like mid-caliber upgrade that a team like them would buy into right now. Jason Kidd is also about to be exposed because they're flipping this roster and he's not going to have the time that he's used to, like an offseason. Well, that's on Mark Cuban because, first of all, this all of this doesn't happen if they just keep Jalen Brunson, like literally. They keep, they keep Jalen Brunson. They keep the depth that they have. Like they're going into this year – they get Christian Wood probably still maybe to, you know, give them more offensive firepower. And they were a pretty damn good team heading into this year, but nope. They wanted to be cheap with Jalen Brunson. He comes to the Knicks. He's basically, he's virtually an all-star um, by every metric, except for the actual title of all-star. I mean, just look at how much points he's dropping a night and shit like that. But yeah, I mean, none of this happens if they keep Jalen Brunson. And the fact that they let him go is the, is the reason why they're in a, they're in like, um, the situation that they're in to the point where they had to trade some of their better depth pieces, including one of their better defenders in Dorian Finney Smith off of a team that's already bad at defense. They're the 24th ranked defense. They just traded their best defender. This is the Avengers. Thor is dead. Okay. Earth just lost its best defender. Quote unquote, Mark Ruffalo. So here's a good question by Jordan Bubb. He says, how does Kyrie's trade affect the landscape of the NBA and how does it affect the the Knicks trade deadline strategies? Well, I think now teams, they are focusing their energy towards um, KD, not now, but possibly in the offseason. So the prices for wings now go drastically down, I think, 
because teams are not going all that crazy for you know bidding for like og ananobi or someone like that like i think all these guys their prices come significantly down and teams like the knicks if they want to get them they don't have to give up as much as they wanted to or as they would have had to before so i wonder for the raptors right because og is going to be the hot name for the knicks up until thursday's buzzer so now i wonder if we're being realistic the knicks are not a team that would be considered in the kd sweepstakes no it's just not a thing it would have no i they don't want to deal with us yeah it wouldn't be the craziest thing that ever happened but off the cuff right now no the knicks are not one of those teams which means that we can be aggressive in the market now or not one of those teams that's going to be like oh i don't know like maybe we should wait and see what kd does no we're not one of those teams so now they should maintain and keep the course but when it comes to the raptors we know Masai loves KD and wants KD in Toronto. He's had those conversations before. So it makes me wonder, one of two things will happen. He either is more eager to trade OG, who, despite Raptors fans' claims, very much does not want to be in Toronto anymore, and get assets now to help him get KD in the summertime, or does he keep OG to use as a part of the trade for KD in the offseason? That's what I'm wondering. I don't think that Masai is going to trade OG to the Nets to play with KD. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. You see what I'm saying? That's the one thing. Because Ian Begley's like, hey, the Nets are talking to the Raptors about a subsequent trade. Okay, but Masai wants KD. He's not going to send the Nets guys to help KD win now. Yeah. Because he wants KD. So, to me, that takes them out of any running for OG. But that was like a big thing that popped up on Twitter today. Yeah, I'm sure the Nets called them. But again, Masai's smart. He's calculated. So I don't think they have a shot at KD. I mean, not at KD. I don't think the Nets have a shot at OG. Which means, to me, the smart thing to do would be to get the assets now so you've got more to offer Brooklyn in the summertime. Which means taking the two protected first-round picks. Because, yeah, the price just went down. The two protected first-round picks and whoever, for OG, if that's what Leon Rose says. Yeah. I mean, both. both. To your point, the price is going down, and the Knicks are in better position to get on an OB now. I don't think the Suns would beat our offer, because I don't think, in this situation, I think that Masai will prioritize picks to make a run at KD. Or whatever. I don't think he wants Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton, whatever, right? Like, how will probably be like, it'll probably be like Jay Crowder and maybe um, some other salary plus like picks. Right. I assume. But it's like, I don't know. I still like us in that situation. Yeah. So, yeah, Jordan, I think certain teams are going to react to the. Kevin Durant waiting game and that certain teams are going to take that window where the other teams are reacting and try and step in front of them in the trade market. And then you're going to have your middle ground teams that are already just staying the ground as is, but it definitely shakes things up a little bit. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's what Kyrie Irving does. <laughs> He's a disruptor. Yeah. I mean, you assume like other teams in the West are going to be like, all right, 
the Mavs made their move. Now it's time for us to make our move because Golden State is obviously going to be out of the running now with, you know, Steph being out. So I think teams in the West also might react accordingly and, you know, try to either step up their rosters with certain moves, probably, you know, grabbing some vets from, you know, these teams that want to get rid of um, players that are like helping them win, like the Jazz, for example. Teams are probably going to be calling the Jazz for guys like Malik Beasley, Clarkson, you know, Conley. Um, Vanderbilt, I imagine all those guys get calls. Um, I imagine, you know, guys from the Pistons get some calls like Burks, Noel, you know, um, Bogdanovich. Noel is going to be traded or he's going to be bought out. Yeah. I got that on pretty good authority. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's going to happen as well. But yeah, I mean, just I just I just feel like a lot of these 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 good players on these <clears throat> these better team on on these worst teams, they're gonna end up on like playoff teams that are looking to you know make a swing, especially after this Kyrie trade. Like they feel like, all right, now's our time to make this move. Um, and, you know, we're gonna see a lot of that happening. One hundred percent, and I also think again, the West is wide open. Do you think that the Mavericks can? I don't know. Luke is really good. Uh, I really think the Lakers should have done this deal. Even if Josiah, I would have found a way. You're Rob Palenka. Do something. Because the West is wide open. Steph's hurt. Shit, Luca's hurt right now. Uh, it's the Nuggets and the Grizzlies. Nobody's worried about the Kings. If you can make a win-now move, you can make a win-now move. Make a push. So do you think the Lakers do something before the deadline or do they do they uh, shift their focus to the buyout market? <laughs> that's always the Lakers. That's always what the Lakers do shift their focus to the buyout market. That's their MO. But man, I don't know because I don't like, like their main thing was pro- their main objective was probably like, you know, to get rid of Russ. And I don't know how they do that now because like the Kyrie trade seemed like the one window or the one Avenue into that. So I don't know. Yeah. They, Turned down Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, which is now off the table. Yeah, because the Pacers are like, you know, half decent and they want to keep that team right. together. So uh and they also right. extended Miles Turner. They have a phony all-star, but I'm not gonna hold that against them right now. Uh and they didn't get the Kyrie deal. I mean, it's hilarious. The most hilarious outcome is that Irving just walks this summer because that's what people do in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, man, to have Jalen Brunson and Kyrie walking back-to-back off-seasons would be hilarious. Sincerely. Would be absolutely hilarious. Um, But, you know, we will see. Um, I mean, again, relating it back to the Knicks, the price for wings definitely goes down. The price for bench help definitely goes down. So I think the Knicks, they find themselves in a favorable position. So we will see how the Knicks react. And I think for the Knicks, this doesn't change too much again in general, right? Like Kyrie was never in their plans. They obviously weren't going to trade for Spencer Dinwiddie or Dorian Finney Smith. Like, if anything, this just takes more mouths off the board. Uh, it makes them more likely to to get what they want to get or what they're willing to get. 
I'm interested to see what happens with Van Vliet now, too. Are the Raptors going to, you know... I think they have to. They won tonight, which is so Raptors. Are they going to do the thing where they did um, that one deadline where everyone thought they were going to trade Kyle Lowry and they just didn't do anything? As possibly. Again, so I'll say this one thing too, right? I don't talk to people much. At the end of last week, I was told Masai was 65-35. 65, he was going to keep everybody into the summertime and reevaluate the trade market. What's wrong with that guy? Do with that what you will in the sense that Kyrie Irving has now been traded and how that could change things, but I was told he was 65-35. As of late last week, on whether or not he was going to make moves outside of trading Gary Trent Jr., Gary Trent Jr. is going to be traded. <laughs> I think that's... Yeah, I assume that. His name has been out there too much for him to like remain a Raptor. He's an expiring salary. They're not going to... Masai's going to trade him. But outside of that, I would not be surprised to see him stand pat. You brought up the Kyle Lowry thing. I mean... And again, the KD sweepstakes, how does that affect things? Uh Yeah, so don't hate that. Chris Bernhardt says, so potentially OG and Gary Trent Jr. price tag just dropped a hole first. Possibly. Depends on how the Raptors are evaluating their situation as well as how like the league is just determining the valuation of that deal now that they see that KD could be someone that's potentially available in the offseason. Because now where Toronto is, people talk all the time. They say, oh, such and such is more valuable to X team than being traded somewhere. That's not where Ananobi is. The Raptors are 25 and 30. If Masai thinks that his value is peaked right now, then they're going to make the move, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But it kind of goes back to what kind of conversations do they have with Brooklyn? Because as we talked about, they're going to want to be in on the Katie sweepstakes. So, but no, they can trade OG. And unfortunately, not much is going to change. And that doesn't mean that OG is not going to make an impact for the Knicks, but they're prepared for life without him. This isn't, hey, if they trade him, that's going to be, no, no, really, it's not. Like, Toronto's 25 and 30. They're not doing anything. Best to get the assets back. Trent's expiring. I don't know. I could see them doing two first, depending upon protections. The next, yeah, for OG, yeah, possibly it would not shock me. Jordan Bub asks, What would be worse for the Knicks that they don't acquire a player at the trade deadline or Cam Reddish being here after the trade deadline? Um, I think definitely just like not acquiring a player because I do think the bench needs help despite you know Deuce's resurgence. Um, or just surgeons in general. Yeah, I had to I had to rethink that there, but um, I think definitely not acquiring a player. I don't think Cam being here is that big of an issue. I mean, I, I saw him on the bench today. He seems like he's just like chilling, he's he's vibing, you know. He just seems like he's being a good team player. We really haven't heard much out of his side of the camp of anything. Like we've just heard that he's like teams have been inquiring about him. Um, for example, I think we saw today there was something about like Cavs potentially wanting him for like Chetty and a pick. 
which is very interesting because if that's the price to get rid of Cam Reddish, then let's do that. <laughs> that was the other thing I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, what do you think about that? Because that report actually came out today. I say do it. Why not? I'd take Seti Osman. Chetty Osman. Yeah, I'd take him too. And Tibbs would play him. Oh, yeah, for sure. So you're trading for Cam for a guy who Tibbs is going to play? Yeah, sign me up. Expand the rotation to 10 guys and then allow, you know, get some, give our, give our wings, you know, proper rest. So they don't have to play like 17 straight minute shifts. I'll take it. You ready for this quote from Evan Fournier tonight? All right, let's hear it. Asked if he thinks this performance will get him back in the rotation on a permanent basis. He shook his head. Quote, unquote, I swear to God, this is from the New York Post. This was like a one night stand. That is incredible. That's great self-awareness from him. I love that. Imagine being mad at Evan Fournier. That's like, aw- that's amazing self-awareness. What a pro's pro, okay? Like <laughs> a one night stand. They should really honestly one thing to think about too. They should send his ass back to Orlando. Why? Cuz they're a young locker room. And they need vets and that's where he's from. And they'd probably play him. Would they, though? Food for thought. And even if they don't, at least he's back in Orlando where he started out. I guess he started out in Denver. But nonetheless. Started out in Denver. You know what I mean, though, right? Like, that was the biggest stretch of his career. Uh, But no. A young team that's really bad? Yeah. They could definitely use somebody like him. The fucking Timberwolves need somebody like him. Austin Rivers called himself the leader of the Timberwolves locker room the other night. I mean, he's been the most vocal person there. That's a direct quote. And he he's been the most vocal person there. I mean, their hands with Mo Bamba in the middle of the game and they lost. That was hilarious, by the way. That was great content. It was. Shout out to the NBA for, you know, the script writers this 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 second half of the season. They're popping off. They they've been they've been doing a great job. I mean, between the fights, the trade deadline stuff, the Ja Morant news today, you know. They have not missed at all. Um, H.P. Shard says, Fournier also proving that all that PR last year from the media trying to explain away why Thibs couldn't take him out of the starting lineup was clearly BS. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, everything that, like, everything that, you know, the media tried to say about Thibs, it's been all debunked this year. Like, oh, he needs his point guard so that way he won't t- blow 20-point leads. Oh, like, you know, he didn't play IQ because IQ's not really a point guard. At He didn't start IQ because IQ wasn't really a point guard. That's why he started Alec Burks. Oh, he couldn't take out Fournier out of the starting lineup because, you know, politics. All those things have been, you know, debunked this year. So, you know, anytime someone tells you th- something about Thibs, just, like, point them to all the stuff that we already disputed about dibs and have proven to be wrong um so yeah there's that it's obvious i mean it's always all been bs unfortunately it's 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 a it sucks for that to be our reality but uh yeah this is not not news but it is the latest installment ace i'll give you that it is the latest installment of uh tibs inadvertently debunking you know, the, the theories that him and the media likely cook together, you know, hand in hand at dinner after games. Uh, that was a bunch of PR BS. 
Uh, I think we all know who he is as a coach, which is fine. Yeah. Um. All right. I think we can end things off here. Shout out to the Knicks for, you know, another exciting after evening of basketball. What a great Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I get to go head into work tomorrow with, you know. Look at that. What did you say? Smile on my face. Yesterday. (laughs) Dang. Yep, we get to, you know, I get to hang it. I get to head into work tomorrow with a smile on my face because the Knicks won instead of, you know, a loss. So, you know, that's always good. And, you know, they, they, they pull off their biggest win of the season, biggest comeback of the year. And the Nets um, are in shambles. And the Nets are in shambles. That is correct. So we will catch um, you guys on Tuesday after the Knicks play the Magic. Hopefully the Knicks can, you know, Prediction? keep this momentum rolling. I think they win. As do I. I'm going to say the same. Although the Magic have been a really good team, I still think they win. Um, they'll be missing some guys because of um, because of the fight. It's just Obama, and he hasn't really been playing anyway. So was Suggs only suspended for one game? Yeah, it was just one game. Okay, so yeah, it's just Obama, and he really hasn't been doing much. Fair. Just don't forget, like I said, they're like twenty nine and thirteen in their last like twelve games. Okay, so they're playing really well. Hashtag math. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, I think we win that game. There's also a possibility we lose it because the Knicks has just been that unpredictable. This I year. think we're a good matchup for Orlando. The size could bother us maybe a little bit. Right. Because they do have a bunch of size. Um, between the Wack the Wagner brothers, Wendell Carter Jr., Paolo, Bull Bull. I mean, just a whole bunch of length there. So that's something that we do have to take in mind, especially missing Mitch and who knows if RJ is gonna be, you know, still sick. And how, handles, and how he handles, and how he handles. Start prepping, huh? I said somebody tell Tibbs so he can start prepping. He's probably already watching the film right now. So he's watching the film from today. <laughs> but yeah, um, all right. So you know, check out everything strictly related in the description. We got links to the site, Patreon, merch, and Twitter. All great ways to support us. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at thestrick.land to get your Knicks Strickland fix there. Um, leave a like, subscribe. We're on our way to 1K subs. All that you do helps us get there. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you guys after the Orlando game. Enjoy your Monday. Go Knicks.